Welcome to a very special episode of Motorhead Monthly, the monthly Motorhead podcast. If you've been listening in order, you know that we're going to talk about the movie Eat the Rich, with songs by Motorhead, featuring Motorhead. Featuring is a strong word, Lemmy's in a good couple of scenes, Wessels is in one, and they do the music in the movie. If you like old 80s movies and tacky, tacky cinema, then you're in the right place for this podcast. Gonna be a great episode. I do hope you enjoy. Rolling. So, I think first what we need to talk about is the French art of cinema verite. You it's see, Peter Richardson, an auteur. Yeah, well, the auteurship. Technically, he is an auteur because he has made movies. He made lots of comic strip movies, which I didn't know were a thing. Uh, I, he didn't even put the comic strip name on them, but it was just he used... He, he leveraged his position as the guy who made the bulk of the, what, 40-odd episodes of comic strip, which must have been big at the time. Yeah, yeah comic strip was massive because it was all... It was it was all the alternative comedians getting their, their first real big break. Who It was as alternative comedy was becoming huge i mean there's the young ones before this or before comic strip sorry and then that's kind of when it explodes onto the the mainstream really on channel four because you've got rick mailade edmondson peter richardson nigel planer uh french and saunders just the list is huge of all these like really talented people all together at, at the same time just making Joe, I'll admit, like, I'm not the biggest fan, but I think some of them are hit and miss, but there are some, like, genuinely great comic strip episodes. That wouldn't mean one of them, though. (laughs) Technically, it's not a comic strip episode. (laughs) Well, like, the... So, in terms of cinema verite, the idea is that you make something that represents what real people go through by putting real people in it. Ah. Which which is what my understanding behind the casting of what's her name would be the the lady who was like a, a professional drag act and were very like not not a good actor but a very in, like encapsulating actor like everything she did she commanded the scene for she was very loud very very uh, in the moments I I like the yeah is this Alan Pelle or yes. Lana P I, I believe she would prefer to go by Lana P okay well. I- now, but yeah. at the time she's credited as that. Um, it, it's a bit of an odd cast. I get where Pete Richardson it's might be going for the from, time as well. Let's be yeah. honest, they haven't even done. They don't do that now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only people who sort of do that is oh, what's his name? It's John Waters. John, that, that's exactly the comparison I wanted to draw. Like that is a John Waters film. Yeah, it's just weird shit happening around a very loose plot, but also very entertaining. Yeah, it's it's very like sketch based, yeah, isn't it? It's got its purpose. But that said, there were some really nice shots in there as well. Like they must have spent some money on a a, cam- a crane camera because like they got the money's worth out of that in the first twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some great shots throughout the film. Like there's, oh, I think it's one shot of where the terrorist towards the start of the film are walking by St. Paul's and walk past Alex and the homeless person. And, like, it's just the the way St. Paul's is in the background, like, when it's um, at night and everything. It, it sounds stupid. It reminds me of an episode of Doctor Who where the Daleks first appear in yeah. London. And it, it's just... It must have been shot in the same bit of road or the exact same location, but it's it's a really stunning landscape to have that in the background and it's not like he didn't know what he was doing is what we're saying <laughs> so the movie is about 
not eating the rich as much as it is about. The, I don't understand what the rich. It's the class war, isn't it? It's, it's class the, war, the, but it's like the downtrodden being fed up and rising up. But the, again, so like very loosely because it's hard. Like I've tried to make notes of what happens <laughs> in the film, and it's four pages of just stuff that happens in the film. The ba- the basic plot is Alex works at this restaurant. Yes. Called Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Where they serve endangered species. As yes, like species, um, was baby panda saute. Yeah. But um, that was a thing. Like, and then you know, Darwin times, he was discovering all these rich, like, these weird animals, and Queen Victoria was going like, "Oh, I want to eat that." And they'd have rich people club suppers, and they'd get together and eat rare animals. So she gets fired from the restaurant quite early on. She then goes to the DSS office. <laughs> and they say they can't give it her a gyro because like she's homeless. It's brilliant. I love anything in like this time period when they're like the show and stuff, like the government, because fucking Tory bastards ruining everything, and we've got that to remember and hopefully learn from the mistakes from, but we never do. So anyway, she shoots up the DSS office with a gun she gets when she's homeless, when the terrorists <laughs> drop it. Do you know what? We'll come back and talk about some of these scenes. I'm trying <laughs> to just give a brief outline of what the hell happens in this. So she shoots up the DSS office. She has to then es- she then escapes the police with Ron. And I looked down for five minutes while I was well for like less than ten seconds while I was writing notes. I don't know who Ron is. He was just a dude who was in the DSS office. So anyway, they they flee to the countryside and they meet Jimmy. <laughs> who... Jimmy's a guy who's playing piano in a shed, and they stroll by on a big fuck off horse and say, "Do you want to join the revolution?" And he's just like, "Yes, please." So anyway, while this is happening, Nosha Powell is Home Secretary, who Nosha has Powell. ambition. Oh, Joel, we'll go, we'll go back and Nosh. talk about this after after we've gone through the <laughs> once I get to the end of the plot. So at, he's aiming to become PM, and he's caught having an affair with a woman called Fiona. Mm-hmm. So. As that's, you know what we haven't, I haven't even talked about Lemmy in this either. <laughs> so while this is going on, Nosh is trying to run for PM, and Commander Fortune and Lemmy are conspiring. Commander Fortune, that's his name. That's the they can, they can, they don't want Nosh to become PM for reasons what? which I don't think are explained. <laughs> he was playing like the guy who was like a communist but he was like a rich old white guy and yeah. interesting rich white guy vibes he was very posh he didn't have a communist tone to him so anyway the the four of them the Jimmy Alex Ron and Fiona who's now pregnant with Nosh's child come back they storm the bastard's restaurant they kill everyone in there then they open up their own restaurant called Eat the Rich where they serve the people who they've killed yes then Spider and Captain Fortune try and ruin Nosh's reputation by getting him to to eat at the restaurant, so it'll come out. So it'll come out in the press that he's a cannibal. Nosha goes there. The police are called. He gets his baby back and tries to act like he's the savior by saving this baby from the cannibals. And then he gets into a fight with Ron, and Ron's killed. And while this is going on, someone else steals the baby. And, oh, who steals a baby and takes it the back to communist guy, the the rich communist guy? Yeah, so he steals the baby back. He takes it back and gives it to Fiona and Jimmy, who then drive off. And then Alex waits with 
with Captain Fortune where Ron turns up, and I won't ruin this because we'll talk about it later, he turns up, they kill each other. No, Nosha kill, yeah, they kill each other. And then Captain Fortune leaves. And then they die. And then it pretty much ends. (laughs) So that's a a 10-minute summation of a long movie. It was interestingly weird and weirdly interesting. We we all had a good laugh. <laughs> it was of its time. It was bold. Yeah, it was very of its time. There's <laughs> quite a few. I mean, we we talk about its brave casting. Um, sorry, is it Leia P? Yeah, something like that. It was brave casting to 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 cast her as the main character in this film. But there's some very choice language. As well in this. Sometimes, um, mate. <laughs> I mean, the first one is where Alex gets fired from the restaurant and he put a sign outside the restaurant that just reads Black Waiter Wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit. The This, you know, yeah. The comic strip stuff is, is not that good moving on in time. Like, it was, even if you watch, like, uh, the bad news stuff, there, there's a lot of, like, jokes made at the expense of gay people that you could not get away with now but it's not coming from a bad place they were different there's there's a scene where captain fortune and lem and spider or lemmy are discussing ways to discredit nausea and one of the suggestions is put a rumor out he's gay yeah I mean, but you know, you 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 can watch monty python stuff back and there's blackface in it and he's like oh Oh, yeah doing that yeah doesn't mean they were bad people. Doesn't mean we should, you know, not have this thing exist in the world anymore. It's just we've all learned our lesson. That's not what people want to hear. Though. No, let's let's talk about Lemmy's appearance in this. Let's talk scenes. about Motorhead's bit in this because so the, the the concept of making a movie around a band is not new. This this is the thing we forget about. Like in the in the fifties when it was like B movie times where you'd go to see either the movie and then there'd be a movie before it. They'd be so stuck for ideas. They'd be like, well, let's get one of these bands that the kids like and then we'll put a monster in the movie and we'll just make sure that there's three songs there that they play in it. And, like, you know, they'd often find themselves running to the beach where they've, or, like, this social club and there'd be a band playing. Rock and Roll High School? That was the 1970s. That was Blondie didn't want to do the movie, so they they rewrote the whole thing to be about the Ramones. (laughs) And it's fucking brilliant. That might be another one we'll have it's, to go through at some point. It's just the thing, though. It's an idea that works well on paper from a business standpoint, but then the movies never work. <laughs> as, as In terms of their own standalone things, no. It is Iron Fist Pictures was what this was billed as being like one of the production companies. They did not do anything else. Is that, did they, Was this financed through Motorhead somehow? Well, no. I, it was... Iron Fist Pictures and the the dude, Peter Richardson's company, uh, I th- I think they just it was one of those like let's give him a credit, you know we'll save some money. Uh, producer if, credit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> throw him credit that way. The the idea there being well we've got the a popular band we can make like a movie around, but nothing in the movie had anything to do with Motorhead. It didn't. Let me. Lemmy's role is kind of in, inconsequential. He's just sort of there to be Captain Fortune's man who does stuff and he's in various scenes throughout and it, it's a bit weird because he, he first turns up 
and he arms the terrorists who... Shane McGowan was one of the terrorists? Yes, there's one of the best lines in the film where these terrorists take over the Israeli embassy. And Nosha goes in and has a fist fight with the terrorists to break to break it up, and then says to the two to the terrorists and the people in the embassy afterwards, "You giving back his country and you smarten yourself up." And then that's the incident resolved. So, like, we need to the people know who Nosh is who have no idea what this movie is. So Nosh is a Cockney Hartman. <laughs> is the only he's Hagar from what's his name? He, he's yeah he's. He's like a, a government official who's also just a, a man about town. He's, you know, he's a... He, he's, the Nigel Farage of his day. Well, no, no, because he's actually <laughs> fucking achieving shit. You know what I mean? So, And it's based on the guy. The guy playing him is called Nosh. Like, yeah. It's based on him. He's just some, like, leave it, you slag kind of guy who found himself working in movies and then as a stuntman and then as an actor and then playing himself. It's as it, a prime minister guy in this. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Because like it's, it was fucking great. They could have just made a whole movie about that. He's he's very entertaining. He's just like when that terrorist scene when he's just like instead of the police sorting out, he just climbs up some scaffolding and jumps through a window and patters everyone. It's it's the whole thing where it's like he doesn't have he hasn't got witty jokes around him. He's he's, <laughs> he's always carrying a four, a fourth tinny pack of red stripe as well. He's a terrible actor, and you just wait for him to go, to go on screen so he can punch something and then, and then say something in a Cockney accent. Yeah, he's like the, the guy. He's like that brick top guy who just plays Cockney in everything. But he can act. The problem. <laughs> I, think, like... I think the Nosh was doing some good stuff in there. I get towards the end, he had the crying scene, he had a death scene. Those are all the marks of good actors. This guy was in Willow, don't forget. Motherfucking Willow. Anyway, and Kroll. We... He was in Kroll before this. We've got it. Originally, we were talking about that. To, to talk yes. about okay. Lemmy's first scene where he's shown as being like cool and badass because he arms the terrorists. So, But then his role was just as the assistant to the other guy, really, wasn't it? Yeah. So it wasn't very cool and or badass. Yeah, I mean, two things that strike me about the first scene he's in. It's at night. He doesn't shut that car door properly at all. <laughs> and he's wearing sunglasses. He wears his sunglasses at night because he's just that cool cat. Well, there's lots of motorheads used on the soundtrack and I think Captain Fortune whistles. But there's only or... like four songs that they use, isn't there? Yeah, I think I think from it because I know he talks about the, the issues with, well, motorheads' issues with record companies and by this time they're, they're with GWR and you know, it, it doesn't last long, their, their relationship with them. They've only had rock and roll and Actually, rock and roll might not have actually been released at that point. They might have only had or Orgasmatron on GWR because the the rich single was recorded before the rest of rock and roll. That's why Bill Laswell is producer on it, even though he didn't produce rock and roll. Rock and roll, uh, GWR worldwide, nineteen eighty seven. So they must have been recording this as this was yeah. being filmed, or or slightly afterwards. But I think there's only the rich, which is off rock and roll. On this, the rest of the songs are off orgasm shots. Yes. So they were a bit limited into which is what, what I was saying use. during the movie because it's about bastard politicians and all the good bastard politician stuff are is on rock and roll. You know, traitor dogs, the wolf maybe, well traitor and dogs basically. It is a bit frustrating that they use built for speed, but they use an early take of it as well as a different song. Yeah, so they've, they've had to go in there and like record songs for this movie. 
and they're just not as good versions of the final songs like and uh nothing up my sleeve with different lyrics was it yeah i can't, I can't remember what they were are we uh, do we class the uh the album well the, the music release for this as part of the discography then it's all stuff we've heard before but it's you know it's recorded differently <laughs> so it is technically a separate recording from what we've heard but then you get into the murky water of like the singles and like the you know releases everywhere else i doubt they released that that soundtrack worldwide i think we've talked about all the songs that are on that soundtrack by this point anyway apart from the besides for this the, apart from the either rich single because we still haven't talked about because you've got the power in full but that's that wasn't actually in the film it was not no again uh, uh one of my favorite songs total waste no, never used. <laughs> <laughs> Who else was in there? The band. So F- Filthy Taylor was there playing drums. Yeah, he, he was didn't playing. get any lines. Wurzel got some lines, and poor Phil Campbell got like one second of screen time. Yeah, it's a bit. That scene's kind of out of nowhere. They're in. They're, it's not even a restaurant. It's not even the restaurant. Is it? It's there's some do where there's lots of politicians yeah. there which, which included the Welsh KGB agent who was fantastic <laughs> Welsh and, um, KGB agent yeah, randomly Wurzel visits Spider who is Lemmy weirdly as well Peter Richardson played Spider in Bad News so I think he just really liked the name Spider so he used it again yeah such a so, rock and roll name so anyway like Wurzel comes over to Lemmy and says I, I can't even remember what he says but the they just randomly go up stay on the stage and Lemmy steals the bass sister's they, Thunderbird. They, they give him a bass, yeah. They give him a Thunderbird. Why? What? Could he not afford? Did he not bring his own backline with must him? Must not have brought the I've never seen him play a fucking Thunderbird in my life. No, I mean, it's iconic, like him and Rickenbacker. I know some of the early Motorhead appearances on top of the pops. I think he's playing like a jazz bass, like a precision oh, like Fender. I have to look into that. And everything, but it's very rare to see him without the Rickenbacker especially at this point I think but yeah he's playing the Thunderbird randomly bizarre it's cool it's cool bass though anyway so they just played Dr. Rock for reasons <laughs> <laughs> because they had to sell the soundtrack which I doubt they did but it, it does have Rick Mail and that scene who's he's great and everything yeah he everyone ha- had to be in that just because they must have felt obliged to basically <laughs> they, there was one day of filming for each of them he does. He does have a good line where he's introduced to Lady Caroline and he says, "Nice tits." Shame about the title, but he, he's great. Like he's, he only has five or six lines, but he is. He is great. He's, he's, he's good. Mayle, he's, off the wall. He's, he's what he does. You know, he's doing his Rick Mail dancing. Oh, that's the scene as well where someone's someone asks Nosha about his role as Home Secretary, and he says, "Secretary, I can't even type." Says, <laughs> quite a good line for a Cockney Harbour. <laughs> See, I didn't get why he was meant to be the bad guy because he was just boss. Eh? He was just having a great time. He was having a laugh and he wasn't taking shit from anyone. It's a bit odd. We'll get onto some stuff later about Nosha, which uh, it's it's hard to explain until we get to it. I don't see what else there is to talk about. <laughs> We've covered the plot and what led Motorhead doing it. Oh no, no, no. We there's there's still some stuff I want to mention, like where. After Alex has fled to the countryside and he first goes to meet Jimmy, <laughs> it's it's when they ask him, "Do you want to join the revolution?" He's just like, "Yes, yes, that because," and then randomly they play Orgasmatron with the, the most random yeah, shot fucking hell. of there's Lemmy and Captain Fortune on a dirt bike, and then <laughs> there's Ron, Alex, and Jimmy on a horse. 
on a, one of those giant horses. Not a regular horse, a giant horse. But just it's just the sight. It of was them. very Python-esque. Yeah, just <laughs> bouncing around to orgasm and showing like do do The weirdest <laughs> fucking song choice for that scene, man, because like, it was the middle of the day. Everything else in this, up until this point had been at night, and then there's like a cross-country midday montage and I hope I know Gasmatron just like, I get a fast car number like there's, there's enough of them there to choose from I mean that's jarring enough but it's just the thing straight afterwards which I think is the best line of the, of the film where they arrive back in town and there's been a near miss with a horse in the car and and Alex just berates at the car mind my fucking horse dickhead <laughs> I mean, built for speed was an orgasmatron. Why didn't they just use that? That horse could have been built for speed. No, they've already used like built for speed like three times <laughs> up at this point. Then so why didn't they put more songs in? Why didn't they just use they every didn't song? Have any more songs? They could have to took use. every song that was an orgasmatron and shoved it in there. Riding with the driver was an orgasmatron. They could have put that in there. That is a good song, actually. Jimmy Fag. Oh, Jimmy is... Fag. It was just. Starts doing his his routine in the middle of the movie yes. for no reason. His his old Blackpool routine as well. Jesus, I forgot what he says about about having a massive dick. And the, the girl says to him, "You'll give me a heart attack." And he says, "Turn on your sides. I'll try and miss it." Brilliant. Gross, dated, weird humor. Then after that, there's a dinner which is serves to be Nosh being arrogant but better than all the rich people because he's the working man and Paul McCartney's there oh as, Paul McCartney was in it wasn't as he as dinner guest <laughs> that was his official credit yeah god he must have owed someone a favour or two I, I mean. don't know what that was about I don't know why he needed to be there that that scene is the like the director totally must have helped him move or something like because he was way too good to be in this movie <laughs> It only well, serves for Nosher to have a bit of a domestic with his wife and put in some unnecessary... To be honest, I didn't really really care anyway, but it was to put some some unnecessary tension between, like, oh, dear, he's broken up with his wife. But no one cares. There, there was not much there to care about. I, I mean, experimental cinema, it maybe is the best way to describe that independence, weirdness of... I don't even know what else to say. I'm sorry. I'm 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 out. It's me tapping. I've out. still got another two pages of this. <laughs> anyway, we finally get to the the scene where it is eat the rich. Yes, the end. Alex, Fiona, Ron, and the other one. I can't believe really remember now. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Fag, of course. How could we forget Jimmy? Anyway, they stormed the bastards' restaurant. They kill everyone. They've like got like all. Zeb- zebras and leopards and everything hanging yeah, off while they butcher in them and some dude walks past with a panda <laughs> it was really good I did enjoy that some good visual humour in here so anyway we're, we are reaching the end of this now I think that it's really the last of Lemmy scenes where him and Captain Fortune are trying to get Nosh into this restaurant to try and discredit him for showing that he's a cannibal and Lemmy goes through the restaurant to try and find someone and he sees Jimmy Fagu putting a leg through a mincer. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells Captain Fortune to stick with the chips. I like the bit when all the rich people are showing up to the new restaurant because it's the new in vogue thing. 
And uh, what what's her name is just standing there with a big strong chin, just going, "No, no, fuck off! We can't serve you in here. You've already, you look like you've eaten too much already. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off!" And they just love being treated like shit. Oh. Hey, Dad, isn't the- this fantastic? Is <laughs> the patron who's sort of trying to laugh it off, going, "Oh, was- say what you want about how weird and." Um, bad this movie was they it, it set out to make a point about how rich people are all knobheads and they should be eaten and i agreed with it yes it's yeah. very strong. <laughs> it, it, it set out it, it made the point it, it set out to make you know rich, rich people can't be trusted there we need a, a bourgeoisie uprising i don't know what i'm saying man there's another quite good line in here. I mean, we haven't even talked about Bill Wyman. Just he doesn't even have a line. He just gets bumped off to be <laughs> to be used as meat in the restaurant. <laughs> and it's where Nosh turns to his wife after being served their food, <laughs> says, "This tastes very much like human flesh to me." <laughs> <laughs> and then she has some and agrees. Yeah. So yeah, then the police storm the place. Everyone throws up. The baby gets stolen, and then. The end scene happens, which well, the end scene was quite good because, like, the they're both dying on opposite sides of the road. Are we not going to talk about the helicopter? Ah, oh. <laughs> the, the 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 Nosh just coming over the the moors in a helicopter. Yeah, no, hearing him for hearing <laughs> hearing his voice over the sound I'm, of the helicopter. I'm sorry, man. Nosh is like one of the greatest characters of any movie I've ever seen. I. It's a bit weird. They try and they try and put this this thing on him to make him look like a bad guy where he goes he goes to the kitchen and, f- and finds out that Fiona's baby's his mm-hmm. and then he tries to use the baby to to show that he's not a cannibal and he's saved the baby from these cannibals at the restaurant but he hits Fiona yeah. and I, I think it's in an attempt to like show Joe what he is actually a bit of a shit because he hits women I, I wasn't even sure he was the bad guy until they called him a Tory bastard and I was like oh he must be the bad guy because he's a Tory bastard so yeah, then he comes after Alex in his helicopter, which he's hanging off the side. <laughs> which is it's weird. Like the the poster for this movie has like the like a, a representation of him with "Vote for Nosh" written on his stomach, but on the DVD cover, it's the same thing. But you've put the Motorhead logo on because this is a German release. <laughs> well, yeah, Motorhead sells better in Germany, but like. I don't think anyone's going to watch this movie. So they're like, oh, I'm a big fan of Nosh's work. It was this catalogue work. I loved him in Krull. I'm going to go check this out. They've remarketed this as a, as a Motorhead movie and they've changed history for mm, it. Looking at it, it is quite badly photoshopped on there as well. <laughs> so, yeah, the climax of the film. Yeah, they're both on the other sides of the road, lying, dying, lying, lying, dying. And uh, Nosh, who said, can we... Can we even say what he called her when when he called her a sambo? Can He's, we say that? No, that was earlier in the Can film. Can we say that though? Is that okay? You said it. You said it. <laughs> calls her a sambo. At some I'll have point, to Google. I'll have to see if we can actually say that. It's not on. It's not cool. It is not on. We're not. Yeah. It's, and it's like the line earlier here as well. Say what's black, curly, and full of holes? You. <laughs> when they taunting each other on the from opposite sides but of that, the road. That's the point. Like because they're both lying there dying, and like he's and she's saying like you know you can just let go of your stupid ideals before you die and have a peaceful death and his last act is just to say a racist joke 
so it's it's like oh once a Tory always a Tory fuck you see you in hell but on the same side time the other side of the road the uh, the the communista uprising has has not taken her death as a way of saying well I forgive you anyway she's given it back to him she says what's old stupid and and has only got half a stomach <laughs> you. So, they, you know, they kind of made a point there, and it was nice how, like, it looked like the movie was going to end because the camera faded up, well, the camera pulled away to follow the car. That's how these movies usually end, but then it pulled back with that joke scene. Yeah, um, even though it was, it was very awkward, especially, you know, nearly 30 years after it was made. Well, but, you know, at the time, this is the kind of shit, like, they, this, this is the reason why they, you know, they cast a transgender uh Tradidian Irish lady from fucking Grimsby. <laughs> you know? Leave the pause in. <laughs> Can you imagine growing up in Grimsby being of, of mixed descent and also wanting to be a lady? That guy, that slash lady, must have had a fucking tough guy time and yeah. would have encountered all sorts of shit like that. Which is why when she's standing outside the DSS shooting a gun, like, spouting all this stuff about bringing down the bourgeoisie, it's coming from, like, a real place, man. It's, like, a hell of a great speech. That was the best part of the movie. I mean, I wasn't too sure of the casting, because it was, like, how can... How would... When you've got, like, on the cast list, you've got Robbie Coltrane, we haven't even mentioned. You've got Robbie Coltrane, Jennifer Saunders, Rick Mayer, Aid Edmondson, Nigel Flainer, and then who, like, are all really associated with the comic strip and have carried some of those episodes and, and carried a lot of the series for years and years and years. And then and then he casts this woman as Alex. And it's just... A, it seemed like a bit of an odd choice, but it does it does work, and she is... She is likeable, and she is, she does... She puts her heart and, and soul into it, even though it's not... It's obviously just a... A stupid British comedy movie yeah. from it's the eighties. Like again, it's, with the um, it does work. I didn't think it would, but but yeah, it's like with the uh, John Waters stuff, or like with a uh, always casting Divine in it. Like, yeah, it was a dude in a dress, but it was also a dude in a dress who wanted to be taken seriously as an actor. But what the fuck what was my other point? I was going to make that. Yeah, the reason why Robbie Coltrane, Adams, and Rick Mayall weren't the leads in this movie is because they wouldn't. The agents wouldn't let them fucking touch it with a ten foot acting pole, you know what I mean? They couldn't afford them. They were on onto bigger and better things. They were all just doing this movie as a favour to the dude who they were in comic strip with. So final thoughts, man. It's an odd it's an oddity, it really is. Like it I think I said halfway through, like the aesthetics, it's trying to be Brazil. Yeah, yeah. But it there's a long you've gotta go a long way between this to get to Brazil. Brazil's like, like one Brazil. of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, it's like the style of it is trying to be like that, having <laughs> that like sort of dark, murky sort of aesthetic, but having that like undercurrent of comedy running all the way through it. It tries that. It tries to be a lot more slapstick and it doesn't quite work. It's just an odd collection of like random scenes. Mm-hmm. It's worth watching for Alex and Nosha and there's some, some good motorhead scenes in there. And Nosha is great for every scene he's in. He steals it. Everything, but um, it's interesting to Lemmy's pretty much inconsequential throughout <laughs> the movie. But there's there's some good bits with Lem. Yeah, he he was he was overdubbed in a bit of it. I I think he his acting is better in um, More Bad News, the other comic strips presents TV movie 
where he where they're asking like all these actual musicians what they think of bad news and he just goes off on this rambling diatribe about how terrible they are but my opinion as a guy who watches a lot of B-movies, who has a B-movie podcast called the Danny Trio Fan Podcast, available on Top Hats and Canes and iTunes and wherever you get your podcast from. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I like a good crap movie. And, like, it wasn't one of those crap movies that you're watching waiting for it to end. It was enjoyably bad. Yeah, there's, like, the problem with a lot of bad movies is not just that they're bad movies. A lot of, like, ones are just like, oh, you've got to see that film because there's this scene or this guy says this line, and yeah. the, the whole the whole selling <laughs> selling point is just that there is this piece of bad acting, or is, there is this bad special effect. This is like it's a bad film, but it's entertaining all the way through, which it really is. It's ugh, such like a contradiction to say <laughs> it's the stamp of quality of a good bad movie. Yes, it is. Uh, highly recommended to anyone. Yeah, I think. I think coming into it, I was unsure, but you know what? It was enjoyable. It it was a good. I mean, I wouldn't need to watch it again for a while, but <laughs> now. <laughs> so that's us there. Um, next month on the Motorhead Monthly Podcast, uh, no sleep at all. No, oh, that's the next. That's the next album on the, the next live album. Yeah, the next album. We don't do them. Uh, It'll be nineteen sixteen. Nineteen sixteen. Yeah, join us then. Interesting one. Fade out.